0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 103 of Connectivity, I'm Scott Thompson. Today we have three segments for you and then a bonus segment. Uh, kicking the show off, Alex and myself talk about this week's releases and Nintendo news. After that, Alex has a new mini-segment all about the Persona series and why Nintendo fans should pay attention to it. Closing up the regular show, Don has an interview with Different Cloth. And after the outro, we have a bonus segment all about the upcoming Doctor Who 50th anniversary special with myself, Nicholas, and Amanda. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this week in Nintendo, our recurring segment where we kind of break down all the news from the week, uh, all the digital releases, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm Scott Thompson, and today I'm joined by Alex Coffee. Hey, Scott. So normally, we kind of just break down the uh, the week's releases because there's not usually a ton of news um that doesn't kind of warrant its own segment, but there's a little bit that came out with uh with We Sports Club and we fit you, so we'll talk about that uh at the end of the segment here, but Let's start first with uh, everything that's come out this week on the eShops. Um, So, obviously, the the big one is the Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. The HD remake just came out. Well, as we're recording this, it would have come out last night at midnight. Um, Now, I know you're knee-deep in Grand Theft Auto right now, Alex, but are are you interested at all in The Wind Waker? Are you one of those people who says $50 for this is just too much and you're not interested?
1: I'm not not interested, but no, well no, I've never played The Wind Waker to completion on GameCube, and I do definitely want to do that. I see this as probably the best way to jump in, and I totally respect people who are excited for this game. However, based on what they promised, and based on what we got in Ocarina of Time 3D, I don't think I can justify plunking down, uh, $50 while well, I just dropped 60 on GTA, and then November's going to have PS4 and a bunch of Nintendo games. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense right now to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, this is probably the latest it could have come out where I can kind of justify If it come out any, any later, um, I, I would definitely skip over it. What with Pokemon and, and then Mario World and, you know, everything like that. There's so much coming. Um, but this, this is another game that, to me, could have benefited from coming out like a couple months sooner um, watching the same week as arguably the biggest game of the year it doesn't help either,
1: yeah. um, you gotta so. wonder though, um, like with, uh, what's it called, Wind Waker, I definitely wonder how much development time they had on that, I'm guessing it was not very long, and I'm guessing they did put it out ASAP, uh, obviously getting it out sooner would have been optimal, but I think they rushed the development and then just put it out. Just put
0: it out when they could, you're probably right, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know how long you know it's been in development. I, I when was it even officially announced? Was it
1: January Direct? I
0: think. Okay, so yeah, so less than a year. So and you know they obviously had been working on it before they announced it, but still. Um. So, yeah, you're probably right, but yeah, it would have been great to get this during the summer. This would be a good summer game. But yeah. anyway, uh, then we also have Scribblenauts Amassed, a DC Comics adventure, which comes out on Tuesday. Um, available on the eShop and in stores not 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 all that interested personally yeah.
1: super yeah. scribble knots was enough for me and then I just stopped caring. I played the Wii U one, and it just didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I, I, the Wii U, int- the Wii U one was probably the best that
0: I played, but not good enough to, like, make me need to play more of them. Like, I've seen it, I've done it, like, I don't know. It, as a series, it just doesn't really grab me for whatever reason.
1: You have, uh, enjoyed the Scribble experience. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I understand this is all DC themed.
0: That's, that's kind of interesting, but not enough to, yeah. not enough to draw me in, really. Um. oh, and that's also coming out on 3DS. Uh And then also hitting 3DS uh this upcoming week is FIFA 14. The I guess the only Nintendo platform getting it. Um, or is, that, is there a Wii version coming out? I think there might be a Wii version coming doesn't out. Doesn't matter. Obviously. No, it doesn't. But I, I think there might be. Um, oh gosh, what what is this? Hakuki Memories of the Shinsengumi. <laughs> yeah, that, that's just more localized filth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh And then Shifting World. Which I yeah. also, I'm also not 100% sure what that is. Um, Me neither. Yeah, but it's only 7.99. It's listed, we have it listed in retail games, but 7 seven ninety nine would make it seem like more of an eShop
1: game. I think that's listed in, oh no, yeah. no, it,
0: it was a retail game. It, it oh, so like it, was it was like
1: republished? I think then so, then yeah. It's, it, cause
0: it originally came out April 24th in 2012. Um, yeah, so it looks like they're just now bringing it to the eShop for. What's the game called? Uh, Shifting World. JP give it a 7.5. Wow, so, I don't sound remember bad. that game at all. It looks like kind of like a neat little puzzle game. It's all in black and white. It kind of looks like um the old Spy versus Spy. So $7. uh, 7.99 I mean, is
1: probably a good price for it then.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound bad. I mean, I don't know how much it was when it came out, but I'm sure it was a whole lot more than 7.99, so. Yeah. Not too bad. Uh then let's see. So then um we've got some sales. We have uh the Monster Hunter is on sale. I think on Says here on the 3ds, but is the Wii U version on sale too, or is it just the 3ds?
1: I saw the story on Go Nintendo, and I am almost a hundred percent sure that both versions are fifty percent off. I thought so too, which is a really good deal. Yep, um, very good games. If definitely uh, love it or hate it, but if you're into it, you get really into it.
0: Yeah, and that for as much content as there is, I mean, half off it seems like a, a a real bargain with those yeah. games. Um I know people have like just sunk in, you know, over 100 100 hours, so.
1: Yeah, at least. Yeah.
0: And then um Chasing Aurora is for sale on the Wii U eShop for 4.99. It's
1: been on sale a few times already, hasn't yeah, it? I yeah, I believe so.
0: Uh and then on the 3DS eShop, we have Air Race Speed, um which I don't really know too much about, but we did last week um Don had an interview with the studio that just uh made the game. So, if you haven't listened to that, check it out. They they talk a little bit about the game and just kind of developing for the 3DS uh in general. So, uh then we have uh Mahjong 3D Essentials. Not really interested in that whatsoever. Um Star Wars Pinball hits the eShop on the 3DS, which, you know, neither here nor there. And then Rage of the Gladiator, um, which also I don't know much about, but I know we have a review code for it, so there should yeah. be a review code or a review of it coming up soon. So there's that. Uh the three DS virtual Col- console got Solomon's key.
2: Eh.
0: Yep. <laughs> not really, you know, it's okay Uh And then the Wii U got Super Mario Brothers uh, Finally so have, <laughs> You finally have a way to play it uh, lost, The, long-awaited <laughs> the long awaited Super Mario Brothers Long lost the legend of a game Uh Has finally hit the Wii U So there you go And then we had on DSiWare Not really all that important But we had Tales to Enjoy the Ugly Duckling And Tales to Enjoy the Three Little Pigs I guess these are sort of like interactive stories Oh, uh, yeah. so it's there. You know, if if my daughter was like a couple years older, maybe I would download this and see if she'd get anything out of it. But
1: realistically you probably wouldn't though. Nah, eh, man, maybe, <laughs> maybe
0: I could try to get review codes for them or something. I don't know. <laughs> but so there's that. Two ninety nine piece. But anyway, let's get to kind of the big news. We had a surprise Nintendo Direct uh on what was it? Tuesday, I think? The eighteenth? No, Wednesday. Wednesday morning and we got news about We Fit You and We Sports Club which we didn't even know anything about um and it's kind of interesting really it, it it's very weird what they're doing with both of these these titles so We Fit You on November 1st uh, a little bit more than a month before the game officially comes out uh the full version will be free on the eShop for for one month when you download it you get a free month of it and um after your month is over you can buy the the fit meter which is like the little pedometer you carry around with you for 19.99 and then that unlocks the full game for you um assuming assuming you
1: have the balance board you need the balance board too but but it's 100% the full game like i was yes. looking at it and it's and like it said the word trial and then it said you can play it for an unlimited amount of time yeah and i don't know i were they just getting around the fact that they're just saying you can get the full version for 20 bucks Ah, uh, basically, yeah. And see, that's what's—it's
0: kind of weird about it. But yeah, here's their here's their wording in the, in their press release. Nintendo's offering Wii U owners a chance to download a full version of Wii Fit U for free. So yeah, so it's the full game. It's not like a trial version where you're only getting so much stuff. It's just a trial in that you only get a month to use it. Um, but yeah, assuming you have a balance board and everything, for twenty bucks you get the full game. Then by buying the uh, the
1: Fit Meter. I mean, I know this. uh is probably less news for you since I believe you are on the review for the game. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like I wouldn't have bought the full game at eighty dollars, but since I think my sister has a balance board downstairs and I have twenty bucks at most given times, I might uh, try to get the full version. You know, just to try it. It's only twenty yeah. bucks, right?
0: I mean exactly. That's really smart, especially if you already have the balance board. Like I have I'm gonna have to find mine actually. I think it's upstairs in the closet somewhere. But yeah, I still have my balance board and everything and it's interesting. I mean, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of bizarre. I'm, I'm wondering how it's going to be sold in stores. Um, like even if you haven't downloaded this trial, is, is the We Fit, uh, meter going to be there? And then, you know, it comes with like a digital download code or something. Not that you even need it since it's, yeah. it's going to be free online, but can you even just buy the disc separately? I mean, it almost sounds like you can't. Like I feel so, like, yeah. you know, okay. you either buy a full set that comes with a new balance board or you buy the fit meter and it comes with it. Like I don't think you'd be able to buy the game by itself.
1: It's definitely curious, because I was thinking about this, like, when I saw the press release that morning, and I was thinking about why Nintendo could do it, I think the conclusion I came to was, it's not necessarily an ambassador program, but it is a way to basically give people on Wii U something to play, it also gives uh people who are on the fence with the Wii U after the price drop uh an extra incentive to get it, especially if they were considering getting Wii Fit U to begin with. Right. And because it's only for, like, a month, I think, it's available, this trial. Or, like, maybe a couple months. It's weird, Well, the, it's a you limited can, amount you, of time. You can download the trial up until January 31st of 2014. Okay. And then, you, like, after you play it for the first time, you have a month to yes, uh, unlock yeah, it. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so it, um, it gives... I think it'll convince a few people to buy more Wii U's.
0: I think so, like especially families. Like if if you know your mom and dad or whoever we're, were using, we fit. This seems like a, a good extension. Like, well, look if we buy the if we buy the Wii U for twenty dollars, we'll we'll have the next Wii fit. Um, you know, which is good. I mean, it it is kind of smart.
1: Yeah, because um, it's a smart move. Because like at the beginning, people don't really own Wii U's right now. So they'll be able to make more money than they probably would be able to at charging it for 80 bucks for one package. And then for the people, if the Wii U does end up catching on and selling a bunch, this game will sell forever in its full state. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of weird too, like we were talking
0: a couple weeks ago, I think, about how it's cool that Nintendo's been doing their digital releases, um, sooner than their in-store releases. And yeah. now we've got the opposite. This will be available in stores December 13th. You have the the free trial available to till, till the thirty first, and then on February first, the, like the full game for sale is available in the e shop, which is really weird. Um, so I don't know how I don't know how much the full version is going to cost on the e shop. It, it's just a it's just a really weird kind of kind of system they have set up for this. I guess. I mean, it's yeah. I, I'm I'm interested to see how this pans out, but it, it's very kind of bizarre to me that the, this be, is the route yeah. they took it. Not bad. It just just just
1: bizarre. Out of curiosity, this whole Nintendo Direct, did they announce it before it actually happened, or did it, ju- it just get posted alongside a uh, press release? As
0: far as I know, it just got posted. Like, I, I woke up that morning, and it was just, like, Nintendo, you know, like, they just announced, yeah. here's a Nintendo Direct, all about We Fit you. like, go watch it. Kind of the same as, like, that EarthBound one, where it just hit, you know, and that was it. Like, there was, mm-hmm. it's, it wasn't live or anything, it was just a pre-recorded kind of thing Yeah. Um, that just showed up, so... Um, kind of bizarre, but I'm excited. I, I wonder what this is going to do for our review, because you know we were expecting it to come out in December. So I'm like, okay, like I'll probably get it sometime in November, have a few weeks with it, you know, like normal when we review games and so on and so on. But it's like, well, if this is officially coming out November first now, like, are they sending out review copies in October, or are there even going to be review copies? You know, like, am I going to be reviewing this while everyone else is already playing it too? <laughs> you know,
1: it's, yeah, it's really bizarre. Um, but I think there's a chance of getting of you getting a review code early, just like, as the fully unlocked trial. Um, because it is the digital version. Like, the reason they're waiting until February to release the digital version isn't because it won't be done, it's to give this promotion breathing room. That's true, because this is the digital
0: version, it's just free, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So, we'll see, but yeah, hopefully they do send us something a little early, because that would be good, so. So, there was that, and then out of nowhere, we got the Wii Sports Club, um... Which also kind of an interesting approach. So rather than like an in-store, uh, you know, disc charging you like forty bucks for it or something, this is an online-only at least as as of now, um, sort of a piecemeal offering of Wii Sports, redone with HD uh, graphics, and most importantly, online play for all of the games. Um, so instead of buying one one bulk thing, you can buy each game separately for nine ninety nine. Um, you can also buy, like, a 24-hour pass for the games for $1.99, so if for some reason you have friends and family over and just want to play bowling, you know, right then and there, and it's a one-time thing, you can pay $1.99 and play it for that day, uh, which is also kind of interesting. Um, and then, yeah, and then the the big thing, they call it We Sports Club, because you can set up clubs with your friends or people online, and then face off against other clubs, um, and compete, and I guess it keeps track of your, like, rank and stats and everything, so it's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. What, what do you think?
2: Mm,
1: yeah, I, think... I figured you
0: weren't sold on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, it's I think nine ninety nine for each game is too much. Well, I need to be convinced that it's not too much, and I don't think I will be, because Nintendo doesn't always have the clearest grasp on how to price their things correctly. For this, I am most curious about what the games actually end up being control-wise, because if you remember that first E3 video where they showed off the Wii U, they had that crazy golf demonstration. Right, where you're looking down where, at the yeah. gamepad and it's got the ball on the tee and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so I I wonder if that's gonna be it. Yeah, they
0: did say they, they reworked everything so it uses Wii Motion Plus, um you know, all these games. So there is that. But yeah, I don't know. They didn't they didn't mention that, so that'll be interesting.
1: But um base Well, do you think it'll be required? The uh Wii Motion Plus or do you think they'll shimmy in uh button controls too? Oh man, that's that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think it says anywhere here if it's
0: required, just that every game's been enhanced to um to use it. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if they will make you require. I mean, at this point all new remotes obviously come with it built in. They might just make you have it, you know, I don't know. Um but we'll see. And what's weird too is they're not all coming out at once. Um we're getting bowling antennas first on November seventh. And then after that, baseball golf and boxing will just come out in the months ahead they said, so we don't have a concrete uh date for that, but I do agree that like nine ninety nine for each is a lot because at that point you're you're paying fifty dollars for these games if you get all of them but nine ninety nine if I'm paying and just getting bowling, which is probably all I would do and maybe because i I do kind of like the tennis one um I could live I could live with that, but I do agree if you're getting everyone i I wish they would do some kind of discount kind of like they did with the uh the new um uh, street Pass games, where it's like if you buy three, you get the fourth one free.
1: Um, yeah. Some kind of bundle. I'm really curious if they're doing this uh, to, like, to ease the weight of the next week's Sports game, or if this is their next Wii Sports game. Because it's a little bizarre that they're choosing to do this, and they're not choosing to make a full $50 package right. that includes, like, 15 HD games, and maybe the 5 from Wii Sports on top of that. Yeah. And then they're making it, like, one big package. Like, I don't know if they're going to be that successful with this, because, yes, everyone loves Wii Sports, but everyone loved Wii Sports back in 2006 when it was a new idea. Putting, like, a real price on it that's not the Nintendo Selects label and expecting it to be the same Megabuster just isn't going to work, especially if it's download only.
0: Right, that's how I kind of feel. I mean, between this and Wii Fit U, this seems very much like Nintendo kind of going back to the well and trying to get in some more, um, I won't call them casual, but we'll, that's that's the word I'll use because I can't think of a better one. But, you know, like the casual Wii, U, Wii owners who only did play Wii Sports and maybe Wii Fit. Um, you know, you have both of these coming out before the holiday. Um, and, yeah, both just just appealing to that, that audience. But you have them distributed in kind of weird, you know, if maybe not obtuse, but just... Kind of unique, different ways that maybe these people aren't going to be used to. Um, now, if you did release this, or maybe you you know you had a new bundle come out right before Christmas that had Wii Sports you know installed on the system, I think that would be big. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. And when you're trying to appeal to those people, I mean, are they going to have commercials for Wii Sports Club and then say you know log into the eShop and download it? It's it's weird. I'm really surprised this isn't on disc as well as sold separately on the eShop. Um, yeah. I bet eventually it'll probably come to a disc, but I'm just surprised that they didn't—they're not trying to bang that out before the uh, before the holiday season.
1: It's very much a wait and see kind of approach. Like I just don't know how this is going to do, and like if the Wii U doesn't sell, it won't do good regardless. But I'm very curious to see, like even in the context of how the Wii U is selling, if this is going to be successful. If the people who actually know how to use the eShop are going to be buying this.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would think most people who own a Wii U now aren't the people who are, like, desperately needing a new Wii Sports game. So, yeah, yeah, like, the people who own a Wii U now aren't probably going to, I wouldn't think, are going to download a ton of it. I mean, there'll be some. Bowling is going to be a hit regardless. But as far as the Mm -hmm. other games, I don't know. And, yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting choice. But the, the online play is much appreciated. It'll be the first... Uh Nintendo published Wii U game to have um or I should say Nintendo developed Wii U game to have online play. Um which is nice. <laughs> is that true? Well I mean Isn't I, it? I, I mean what other Nintendo game has uh
1: you know, online play? Well we're not we're obviously not counting Miiverse integration here. No, no. So there was Pikmin, which I don't think is online, right? No, it's not. Okay. And then Definitely not new Super Mario Bros. U, not nope. Wonderful One Hundred One, not Nintendo Land, not Nintendo Land, not Lego City Undercover, and I believe those are the only major releases outside of Zelda, which obviously does not have competitive right. online play. Right, right. So yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain. Yeah, so that
0: that's interesting and. I'm excited about the club aspect. Like, I think it will be fun if we get some, like, NWR clubs going, you know, like we have staff against, uh, you know, different groups of readers and listeners and stuff. That would be fun. Had to, You know, turn into a big game night and everything. That'll be good, but I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, I definitely think this and WeFit, uh, you coming out before the holiday together is definitely trying to draw that crowd back in who haven't, like, been won over yet by, uh, by WeFit. Or uh, I'm sorry, by Wii U. So we'll um we'll see. And then we had a little bit of uh Pokemon news. Did you want to talk about that for a second, Alex?
1: Yeah. So the big story that isn't new this week, because apparently this news has been out for a while, but it just became noticed this week that in Pokemon X and Y, the 3D effect will only be used during battles. During the overworld segments where you're just exploring the world and stuff, there will be no 3D as far as I'm concerned. And as, if I remember the interviews correctly, Masuda was saying that they did this as a con- a conscious decision because they thought the art was so good that they thought it would be lost if um, they dropped the frame rate and they, um, they made the Jaggies a little more pronounced in the 3D. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you what I think about this, Scott. I think it is uh, a bit of a bummer. Because I really like 3D. I know some people don't care about the 3D, and some people actively dislike the 3D. I really like the 3D. I keep it on in all of my games. And I also am especially bummed that Pokemon's not doing it. Because it's not like they don't have the resources or time to do it. Because if Battleship the Activision-published game based on the movie can carry full 3D, Pokemon can probably do it too. So the other thing, though, to consider is that these guys have been making Pokemon games for a long time, and it would be unwise not to at least trust them a little that they know what they're doing. So I am holding hope up that they're doing the best decision and that this art looks so good when I'm playing it that it was actually a better option to not allow me to choose whether to have 3D on or off Mm -hmm. rather than to just have it be 2D like it is. Yeah. So, when I review it, it's going to be very interesting because I can't necessarily take points off for what it doesn't have. But, uh, I will be critical of the art if they are hyping it up so much not to say I'll shit on it just for the sake of shitting on it out of spite but if they think this art is so good and this is what they're trying to sell me on I'm going to give it a pretty close look
0: yeah as you should
1: um but it is interesting i mean
0: I, this has got to be the first you know nintendo published or developed game to not have 3D on the system and you know we had the the 2DS announced a, a few weeks ago and you know, I kind of took it as Nintendo sort of backing away from 3D, and I had a lot of people tell me, like, that's not true, it's just so they can get younger kids, you know, playing 3DS games. And I see that, too, you know, because you've got that big warning that anyone under 7, you know, their eyes are going to fall out if they look at the 3D. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, you have this, this marquee first-party title come out, and it's only using 3D half the time, you know, if that. I, you yeah. know, I, I don't know what the breakdown is, obviously, between exploring and battles, and we'll call it 50-50, but... It's interesting, in them just saying that, hey, it it takes away from what we're trying to do, so we're not going to use it. And that's that's the first time I've heard of a game being able to like kind of actively choose uh, when to use a three D and when not to. Like as far as I knew, it was kind of a requirement to have it in throughout. Um, so I don't know. It, it's 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 interesting. We'll we'll see where we go from here. But I th- I really think this is them beginning to kind of turn away from 3D and, and downplay it, not, not, not use it Nintendo. unless it's necessary. Yeah, you I think Nintendo,
1: so. and this isn't, because Game Freak is, uh, even though Pokemon is a Nintendo property, sure. Game Freak is, as far as I know, in a third-party studio, technically. So they can make games for whatever they want, as long as they have the property with them. And I wonder that because Pokemon and Game Freak is so disconnected from Nintendo... If they made this decision themselves, rather than Nintendo uh sort of telling them what to do, like they do with so many of their EAD studios. Right. Uh It's the... Yeah, I heard that perspective on uh trying to make it more accessible for kids. And that'd be a real bummer to me if they did it for that reason. If they actively decided not to put in 3D, not to allow anyone to have 3D during the overworld just for the sake of the children.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, actually I just looked it up and technically Game Freak is a um I think they're cons- they'd be considered a second party uh studio. They do exclusively make games for Nintendo platforms.
1: But does Nintendo have like at least 51% ownership of them? I that okay. I don't know. Cuz I yeah.
3: That I'd have to know. that
0: I'd have to look for into that more, but they obviously have some kind of deal worked out that they're only they're only developing for Nintendo. So they are a second party, but um yeah. I don't know, but it's just, you know, I mean this is a marquee title and it's 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 just interesting to see them not use it throughout. So, whatever the rationale they're giving is, I I really think this is Nintendo kind of backing off and saying, you know, if you don't need to or or want to use it, you don't have to.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, first off, Game Freak is technically a private company, which is interesting. But besides that, I think we'll see in like a year What their stance is. Because we'll see in next year's Pokemon game. I don't think any Pokemon game on 3DS is going to break this trend. Uh, But more interesting is going to be the games that aren't Pokemon. Let's say there's another Mario 3D platformer in 2014. Maybe they won't require the 3D on that.
0: Well, because in Mario 3D Land, didn't you have to use
1: the 3D at certain points? It Um, made the game a lot easier during the bonus segments but there are people who did play it in 2D and did not have much trouble. Because that's the
0: only 3DS game i played entirely in 3D, because I, I thought it looked really, really good in 3D, and then, yeah, there's, there's points where you kind of needed it. So with the 2DS out there now, you would think they can't really build puzzles or moments anymore where you have to use it, because then you're kind of segmenting your user base. So um, I don't know. It's interesting. We'll just have to see where it goes, but uh I'll, I'll definitely kind of... uh kind of interested to see what other first-party games are doing. And then if that kind of opens the plug for third parties to just completely stop, you know, using the 3D as well. Yeah, all this news is really wait and see. Yep, I agree. All right, well, that's pretty much it. Um, so, Alex, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye.
1: Trying a brief new segment called Games Nintendo Fans Might Like. In this segment, the goal is to briefly discuss a game that is not currently available on Nintendo consoles, but would be interesting to all of us who own Nintendo consoles. Think of it as a way to expand your horizons, and to see just how green the grass is on the other side. For this installment, I'm going to talk about Persona 3 and Persona 4 two atlas rpgs that act as spin-offs of the shin megami tensei series if you like shin megami tensei and specifically shin megami tensei 4 this is like that in the sense that it has the same focus on fusing demons and getting into jrpg combat situations and these combat situations are those where the name of the game is abusing elemental weaknesses a la pokemon and like pokemon the combat is an addictive yet easily accessible affair of collecting monsters switching them into battle and exploiting the weaknesses of your enemies with attacks to achieve victory. On top of that, the monsters, or personas you collect, can be fused into stronger creatures, creating an enjoyable process of constantly fusing to get more powerful. The game is focused on dungeon crawling rather than exploration, which is far more rampant in Persona 3 than Persona 4, but it is certainly something to watch out for if you don't normally like these kinds of games. When you're not fighting demons, you're going day-to-day as a high school student in Japan. These segments are more like light-hearted visual novels, where you live a normal life as the main character, and spend time with your best friends who also fight alongside you in battle. Because the game runs on a non-real-time calendar, there are certain days that you have to go to school, certain days when you work, certain days when you can hang out with your friends, and certain days that are holidays. And because the writing is simple and often lighthearted, there are often times when you relax from the combat and enjoy spending completely normal and relatable time, either with friends or potential love interests. However, doing something as simple as going to the movies ties back into the combat, as the bonds you build with your friends directly influences how strong the demons you fuse end up being. The idea of building genuine friendships with people who are a lot like some of your real life friends and then going into combat with them is something so brilliant that Persona 4 specifically stands out as my favorite single JRPG of all time. I liked it so much that by the time I beat it, I was actually mildly depressed for about a week and a half that my 100 hours with these characters and this world was over. It's just that good. Finally, let's talk about the nitty gritty. I'm specifically recommending Persona 3 and Persona 4 because these are the only two games in the series that have the same visual novel aspects in the combat, and the combat in uh, Persona 1 and 2 is very much a different story. They are standalone experiences, so you can experience Persona 3 and Persona 4 without having to worry about the other games in the series. Saying that, I specifically recommend playing Persona 3 first because it allows you to fully appreciate the gameplay and story improvements Persona 4 made. Persona 3 is now available on PS2, PS3 via PSN, PSP via UMD and PSN, and PlayStation Vita via PSN. Persona 4, meanwhile, is available on PS2 and PS Vita as Persona 4 The Golden, and this Vita version is the superior remake to the original game. If you enjoyed this segment and want to hear more, feel free to sound off in the comments. Thanks, guys.
2: This is, once again, an interview, and I am here with...
3: Gordon, from oh,
2: different... Yeah, I think that's my
3: name, last time I checked. Hmm,
2: possibly. <laughs> so, welcome to the show. Uh, could you um, introduce yourself to the public and what it is that you do?
3: Yeah, uh, my name's Gordon, and I'm head of everything at Different Cloth, because there's only one of me. And uh, I made a rhythm game called Lilt Line a few years ago for, for the iPhone. And uh, my friends at Gauging and Games uh, ported it to the Wii, so you may have played either version of those. Uh, and then I made another uh, iPhone game, and took a couple of years off making a PlayStation game called Derek the Deathfin. And now I'm back uh, in my natural rhythm, home, trying to kickstart a sequel to Lil' Line called Lil' Line Two.
2: And that's me. We're gonna talk about all of that today. So, cool. uh, like you answered already, my first question was to talk about uh, the games that you uh, have made, really. Okay. Um So. Late last year, and a little bit this year, you brought, like, Derek the Deaf into the market, Mm -hmm. um, which was a fantastic little game. Oh, thank you. No problem. Uh, You have have to say that, right? You can't be mean when I'm on your podcast. Yeah. Where you would munch on enemies and go for various levels. Um, How does how did this venture really start
3: um well it kind of started all a little bit through lilt line when uh i was at the igf in 2010 with it and that kind of opened a few doors to uh talking to people who i couldn't have maybe talked to before so there's yeah. a, a tv uh, station in the uk called channel four yeah. and, and they did have back when people had money they had an investment fund like a risky investment fund for games and exciting media things yeah and so <laughs> i sent a proposal for uh Derek off to them and they yeah. liked it and i went to meet them and and got funding off the back of that with them and Screen Yorkshire, who are a TV company here in the UK. So it was part uh, private money, part public money, got yep. the funding to, to make a console game. Yep. So that's, that's how that happened. It was kind of luck and a good proposal, and I was quite convincing in the first meeting. I don't know how I did it, to be honest with you. It was like you know underwater paper game, fast, like Echo the Dolphin, but sort of thing. <laughs> but they liked it, so, so that's, that's yep. how it happened.
2: Well, I liked it too because of the art style, which was like paper craft, which was excellent in its own right? Yeah, but but there was a lot of work to pull off, right? I mean,
3: it was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was a lot of work to pull. <laughs> you are quite right. Uh, it it yeah. took us—I don't know how many months, maybe uh, six months—to get the look right, uh, something like that. Um, the idea with the, my original idea for the game was like a kind of cross between uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and Echo the Dolphin. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it was Echo the Dolphin and Burnout. I think was the original pitch. Like I, I used to work at EA for a little bit on Burnout Revenge Four months I lasted But anyway, it was supposed to be like a high-paced, high-octane, beautiful kind of thing uh, And I thought it would be in a flat paper style So, you know, like a layered pop-up book sort of style yeah. That was the original idea But then when uh, Ron came on board, the amazing artist who made everything look wonderful He, deci- he said, you know, let's do like full 3D paper craft And everyone yeah. was like, wow, that's a really good idea Why has nobody thought of that? Actually, Media Molecule had, but uh, we didn't know that at the time. Uh, We're tearaway, obviously. So, yeah, so we took, like, six months getting the lighting and shadowing and getting the models right to look just like paper. The 3D models, you don't see them in that much detail, but if you do see them, like, close up, maybe I should publish them on the web somewhere. But the uh, the detail is amazing from, from the modelers, 1024, who did all that for us. They got they got exactly, you know, the rigid, the animation and everything. It's all quite, it's quite a long-winded thing to uh, approach, kind of taking all the digital stuff out of a, you know, a a digital game to make it look more soft and papery, so...
2: Yeah.
3: It was a long answer, wasn't it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I would love to see that, definitely, for sure. Maybe you should do that sometime. Um, So, did Derek do well for you? Because I heard there were some struggles along the way, and I'm certainly curious about that as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. um, I did a blog post, I don't know if you saw it, about my uh, 40, uh, 40 grand worth of debt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, so, yeah, it was supposed to be 10 months, the, the project. Uh, yeah. 10 months to make a console game was wildly optimistic, especially when we spent six months getting the look right. So, um, so it overran into two years, and then um, uh, we kind of self-funded the end of it because we wanted to get it done, and uh, we couldn't really go and pitch it to other people because of the contract we originally had. So we just wanted to get it done. It was the labor of love, you know, a passion project. And so we just took the time to finish it and borrowed the money to do that. And, yeah, it was a little bit underwhelming at first because um, October is not a very good time to release a little video game, it turns out. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we were trying to get it done all summer, like, let's get it done, let's get And then it just got pushed and pushed, and then QA, and as I'm sure you know, releasing a console game can be quite complicated, you know?
2: Yes.
3: yes. And it can take a long time, the ratings, the QA, and all the rest of it. And so in the end, we found ourselves in October, but we had to release because we needed the money, so... But uh, things picked up kind of, you know, November, December, January, and they got released on PC. So it came back a bit from its original slow start. So it's paid back, you know, some of that debt. Uh, And I've been contracting and stuff as well to pay back it. So it's fine now. Obviously, you know, you think when you're starting something, this is going to be amazing and everyone's going to love it, you know, like you do. But, but, you know, you, you 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 can never tell until it's done how many people will pick it up. But, you know, we're proud of it, and we're very happy we made it, and we'll see what happens with it in the future. You know, we still got it there. We can do whatever we like with it.
2: Definitely. It's still an opportunity there for the future.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could bring it to – we always say bring it to Vita and stuff, and then people get really excited. But, you know, we're always talking to anybody who wants to give us a little bit of money. We'll put it on anywhere, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so, you know, it could come to Vita. could come to iOS. could could do anything, really.
2: Everything is still possible in that regard. Um, so then going a bit further back Because that's t- sort of the main discussion here right now Because we talked a bit of Derek But way before that there was a little game called Lilt Line Yes Um, And I So many people who I, th- I assume there will be many people who never played Lilt Line before There must be loads of them right? Yeah Most of the world
3: They should correct that
2: Yes Should you Do you want to give a proper introduction to that game? Yeah, sure. So um, Lilt
3: Line was um, the world's first dubstep uh, minimal rhythm racer, I guess. It was done at a time before dubstep was in every uh, uh, music game trailer from some really talented guys here in London uh, called uh, 16-Bit. And so the style of music was something that hadn't been seen in rhythm games before. And it was quite abrasive and quite harsh. Uh, and also uh, the style of the game was kind of a bit like uh, dot Stream, if you've ever played. I'm sure you, I know you've played it. But uh, it's kind of a, a, a retro Bit Generations uh, Nintendo title. If,
2: if, if, uh, if people are more familiar with WiiWare games, there's also, I think, a sequel to dot Stream. Yeah, Light Tracks. Light, Light. Light Tracks, was it? Light Tracks, yeah. yeah Light yeah. Tracks.
3: So kind of similar to, the, to those two in that you're racing through a tunnel. Uh, using uh, the iPhone to uh, tilt, to keep uh, within the tracks, which get increasingly faster and, and more tricky, and then tapping to the beat, which comes in from from the right. So it's kind of a tilt-and-tap, dubstep, minimal rhythm music extravaganza.
2: Yes. Is that sold
3: it well enough? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So I originally played on iOS, and I thought it was a really fun, like, side-scrolling music rhythm game. Yeah, thanks. Um it had these games have these simple mechanics of like stirring around and tapping on the screen to hit notes. Yeah. Uh but the course design, that was so insanely tricky. And I just played it today again. It is it is insanely tricky. Sorry but, about that. But yeah, but it's so much fun to play.
3: That is my uh, fault. That I do like uh, you know, hard arcade games. I guess I've grown up on that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh uh Sonic, I guess is you know well Sonic's not that hard actually, is it? But I do like, you know, kind of challenging, uh, a bit different uh, kind of experiences. So that, that's my fault That, that And that I have that, I guess, in common with gauging games, especially their earlier stuff was always very punishing, wasn't it? So it was no surprise that they liked the game as well. And then we hooked up.
2: How did the design, like the music and the course time come together so well? Because like the intensity of the music and then going through these various hoops and loops, is like it becomes all like this incredible fun fest really oh thanks fun fest.
3: that was that was the whole idea really was to kind of uh, experience the music the original idea i played around with a bunch of prototypes mm-hmm. i'd never made an iphone game before either so i was kind of learning as, as i was going along my original idea was that um the course would make the track so the beats would be there but yeah. your, your movement of the line would be the pitch in the track so as your the way you play the course kind of creates your own music if you understand what i mean Yeah. yeah, So let's say the line goes up, the pitch goes up or whatever tune of the song you're playing. Unfortunately, that sounded shit. And (laughs) it was a good idea. But uh, and that's when I thought, right, okay, I need to get some professional musicians in here. (laughs) And I got in touch with a a friend of mine, actually, Liam, who I was working with at the time. He he said, yeah, uh, this would be a good fit for your game. Check these guys out. And it was 16 bit. And I loved it. And I got in touch with them through MySpace, which was popular back then. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, they said. Is
2: that still a thing, MySpace? I don't know, really.
3: Uh, now, Nowadays, I got in touch with Bill Gates for the sequel, Little Line 2, through Twitter. So, you know, that, that's how things move on. Yeah? And in five years, it'll be something else, probably. But, uh, yeah, got in touch with them, and they were, like, uh, really into it and said, yeah, cool, let's do it, let's do it. And then I just worked away on it. I always had this vision of, yeah, playing through the music. Uh, the music, obviously, as it changes in tune, it changes the colour of the levels, you know, as the beats come in I and mean, can get dark or steep curves or so I always try to uh, do the synesthesia thing even though I can't say it which yeah. is to feel the music visualize the music play the music is is what I think is I love to do that kind of stuff and it's only very minimalist isn't it? it's not got a lot of stuff going on but still I think it does the job but Little Line 2 will do a lot more of that so you know there'll be a lot more of a more effects, a lot more, you know, crazy courses, maybe loop the loops, you know, thinner sections. And when I plan to kind of take that visualization of the music to the next kind of level.
2: We're going to talk about a little bit more a little bit later. But first, there's one more question concerning, like, the game eventually came to WiiWare. Yeah. Of course, the off-kaijin games, which we just name-dropped, and we'll tr- name-drop it again. We can name-drop them
3: all the time. They're the best people in the world, there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I worked with them around one or two. I played that all there for their levels. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you know them as well. Yeah. Right?
3: They're cool guys, eh?
2: Yeah, they're really cool guys, um, and I w- was really happy with that. I think I actually said it as well with like in an interview with Alex even before like the We Were Version came out, as I was really excited about it, About it, um, and so far I understand. I believe that the, you, you revealed figures on the entire thing, so maybe you can better speak to this. But it didn't do terribly well on that service.
3: No, it didn't do well enough to uh, break the thresholds there. Uh... They don't have them anymore, but they used to have sales thresholds, yeah. which not, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about, really. But anyway, there were sales thresholds for uh, Europe and, and uh, uh, America, and we didn't break through them, so we, so we didn't get paid, basically. Which is more of a bummer for Gageon than for me, because obviously I was just happy to get any console game out. And they spent the time to develop it and didn't yeah. see any returns from the time they spent on it. But, you know, they're such awesome guys, they don't, you know, any other development house would be like, yeah, Gordon, okay, loser, we're not talking to you again, <laughs> you've wasted our time and money. But they're happy they did it, you know, they're just, uh, they're just really cool like that, aren't they? They did it for the love, as they do everything for the love, so they don't mind that it doesn't make any money. I don't mind, but obviously, well, those days are gone now, and you're on a Wii U and everything else, you don't have a threshold to meet before you get paid. Which obviously makes much more sense.
2: Yes, it, it makes much more sense to release the game now, then. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, that's also a so good, like, segue into Liltline 2, not 2 as number 2, but two oh oh. That's right, two-oh-oh. yeah, that's another one of my amazing innovations. New names coming every single step of the way. So, it might get a sequel, for the mints of Kickstarter, um, which is something I never expected to happen. Really? Why is
3: that? You thought it was, uh, it was done now?
2: I didn't think that many people would be excited. I was like, Really? People wanted like, Yes! People wanted Yeah, this.
3: people seem to like The thing is, it's, uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like a, it's a niche title, but people remember it because it was in the IGF. And there's like a lot of the people that like it, like yourself, you know, they really yeah. love it. And I think like everyone I was deciding what to do after Derek. You know, it's finished, it's, the sale's picking up a bit, but it's not done yeah. spectacularly well. I'm not buying a villa in the Bahamas just yet. What should I do next? You know, working a little bit, of contract work. What, what should I try next? And everyone who I talked to said, you know, I really love Little Line, make a Little Line too. I always wanted to go back to rhythm games because that's, I guess, what, what I love most to make. So yeah, and everyone just said, yeah, make a new version of Liltline. Line. I've got this idea. We'll do multiplayer or do 3D and everyone was, you know, basically asked for it, uh, especially our friend, uh, Mr. Holmes. And I did a sub homes yeah, with him in there. Yeah, I remember I talked to you on that as well. You were on that as well. Yeah, he's a classic example. He, yeah, let's do it. Everyone would love it. So I thought, yeah, I would love to do it too. Let's try. And I guess the great thing about Kickstarter is, if, as it seems, it, it gets over the line and gets published, then you know that people want it. And, yeah. you know, development, or at least most of development, is funded. So that's the, that's the cool thing, isn't it? And if it doesn't, then, well, maybe people didn't really want it.
2: So, looking at here, what you're doing with the gameplay it's it's quite an impressive feat on its own, so you're bringing the 3D environments like top town views, all of these other changes to the levels yep. um, are you pretty are you pretty well aware of what you're doing or where are you going going to take this title
3: um, yeah, I mean, what you see in the video and the screenshots is is like a prototype, so it's a couple of months' work uh, getting everything up and running in unity, which I learned making Derek. Um, so getting three D transitions in tunnels, uh, getting the line to follow like a curved shape, so up and down hills, uh, timing, uh, getting all the beats in and stuff. So there's like three half levels that, that I've made. So what I plan to do is is take the original Lilt line, put Ill Gates' tunes in, which are much more varied. So there's there's more like softer stuff like house, uh, hip hop, glitch, dubstep as well, like like Ill yep. Gates. So and, and represent those tones in, in the game to give it a kind of more varied feel as well as the in-your-face, which you will have plenty of that. Don't worry, lots of hardcore stuff. I know you like that. Um, but yeah, so the plan is just to take it to the next level. Full 3D, uh, you know, all kinds of craziness and uh, multiplayer, local and online as well. So that's the the thing. I've got a kind of visual idea of where it should go and uh, Ace Musician on board and the engine is right. Everything's kind of set up to go. Where it goes, uh, I don't really know yet because we haven't properly started... I haven't properly started building it, but it goes somewhere nice, I'm sure.
2: So you're now working, working in a sequel with the musician called Ill Gates. What this different flavor does he bring to the table for the game then? Well,
3: uh if, and maybe you link to his tunes from, from the podcast, but, um, yeah, he's, he's a very, very talented guy. And I was, I was listening to his, his music on Spotify. And I thought if he, sometimes, well, actually all the time when I listen to music, I visualize what it'd be like in a game. That's what I do all the time. Different styles of games. I guess it's an affliction I have as if you make games, you know, every time I pick up a cup, oh, that could be a game, cup picking game. But with music, it's much worse. I always visualize music a little bit when I'm listening to it. And I was listening to his tunes and I thought that would be amazing to fly through those, you know, Liltline style but 3D. So, so he has a lot of, you know, dubstep or glitch kind of or hip hop sort of stuff which is quite driving, quite fast, which would work in the same kind of way as the original Liltline. And then he has uh, softer, more melodic stuff too. So the variety of his music and the fact that he's more driving, faster stuff would be really like ace in, in a, in a, in a music game. So I guess the answer is in my brain. If you can see all the pictures there, then I could better better tell you than to explain. But
2: okay, I will definitely give them more. Listen then. Uh, so your initial goal of the project is fifteen thousand pounds. Yeah. And uh, but when enough money is raised, it could come to PlayStation Vita and Wii U. Yeah, that would yeah. be cool. Um, how do we, will you use these consoles? Have you already given it a thought? Really.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the idea was obviously the original was, was, uh, iPhone. So iOS is the, is the, the base, like 15 grand if we get there. And then Android obviously is an actual extension from that. So it will be exactly the same. And then Vita obviously has, uh, touch and accelerometer and all the rest of it. Gyroscope in there. Yeah. So that would be the same. Um, and that was the original goals. But then, uh, everyone said, oh, bring it to Nintendo. What about Nintendo? And, I uh, had a chat with Dan. I'm sure you know Dan Adelman from, uh, Nintendo in the States. He was a really cool guy. And he said, yeah, he'd be happy to lend me a Wii U dev kit. And I thought, yeah, that would be cool. Everyone will be into that. Obviously, there, that will, one would will need the most work. That's why it's the highest uh, stretch goal. But you've got your little uh, controller there, again, with accelerometer and touch and stuff. So how that matches up with the big screen, I don't know. But I'm sure we can do lots of exciting things honest, So that is the one that will be the most far out of all the versions. The other ones would be variations on a theme. Yeah. Yeah. But that one may be, may be the best version I'm sure you it never would be I don't mm-hmm.
2: uh, but it, yeah it will take a time to to learn everything that you want to do with the game but, but it has to be funded first so. yeah um, here comes a bit of a downer question okay go and, on then go on then. yeah right. what if the Kickstarter goals aren't met
3: Wow. Well, I don't know then I have to decide what to do next and maybe I'll carry on making the game maybe I won't Maybe maybe i just uh, do something else. I've got plenty of ideas, millions of ideas. I don't want for ideas. What, yeah. I, what I lack is money to make those ideas a reality at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to see. I mean, we'll have to see. I hope we can get there. And if we don't, then maybe we just don't make the game. Or maybe i make the game at a much slower pace. Or yeah. maybe i make some smaller games first and with that money come back to Little Line 2 later. It certainly won't get done in the same time frame. Let's say uh, we didn't meet the goals. And I still decided to make your outline. too. It would take two or three years, definitely, at the current to make yeah. it. I think, you know, like spare times, the odd day when I'm not not working and stuff. Or, yeah. So I don't know if it will get made, to be honest. If, if we don't meet the goal, it won't get made in a hurry, let's put it like that. Uh, so, but we're going to make the goal on, on the positive side of things. We're definitely going to be there. We're 20% already.
2: Well, we don't know if we're going to reach Vita or Ryu, so...
3: That's true. I hope we can get to the 15 grand and then we'll see. You know, if, if it gets, comes out on iOS, and uh, I've already spoken to uh, Shahid, uh, who's a really good guy at Sony, uh, same kind of attitude as Dan and Nintendo, just interested to talk to all, all indies. So, you know, if it does, if it comes out on iOS and everyone loves it, then maybe, you know, the big boys will come and say, you know, here's some money, put it on my platform too. You never know what might happen. The most important thing for me is to make this game that I really want to make and I know it's going to be cool. And then from their platforms, they're not too much of an issue for me. I know everyone on the internet is always like, yeah, bring it here, bring it here. You. you already know, that. like, bring it to Steam. Why don't you bring it to PC? What's wrong with this? That's always the questions you get when you make a game is, you know, why are you not bringing it to my platform? But,
2: yeah.
3: As long as it's a cool game, that's the main thing for me. And then it can go everywhere. Uh, it's at least good
2: that those, that those two develop, uh, developer like interest people said, yeah, we're interested in having that game on the platforms. So. Yeah, no, it is
3: cool. It's, the response has been really, really cool. Um, better than I expected. I guess maybe like you expected it to be because it is quite a niche title, a very niche title, but that niche is passionate about it. So you can go far on like a little group of people who are passionate about, you know, like a uh, sword and sorcery was, you know, looked like a niche title, didn't it? But there's a lot of people in that niche. So it did really well.
2: Who knows? Hmm. So I'm running out of things to ask. So is there anything that else that you want to bring up really?
3: Um, uh... No, not really. Not really. I guess uh, I can pitch the Kickstarter.
2: (laughs) Well, that would be my final question, yeah. To give a one-minute pitch for the Kickstarter, and better make it good so that people can check it out. Oh no, no, I'm under
3: pressure now, not again. I already did. Well, with the video, I tried to make the pitch uh, funny. That was my idea to try and make it funny. But my my wife hated it. She said it's rubbish. It's not funny. I'm trying too hard. Really? (laughs) She's like my harshest critic. She's German, so she's very uh, straight to the fact. You know. So that's not funny. You're trying too hard. This is not going to work. <laughs> but uh, most of the time, people take it in a good spirit. But a couple of comments have been like, "Oh, that guy's really arrogant." At the end, when he says it's for my children, I can't believe it. There's been a, like, only a couple of people that said that. Right. So yeah, <laughs> But what can you do? You have to try and make it stand out a bit, because there's so many kickstarters now, aren't there? And I think yeah. a, a lot of the press have got, it's, in particular, the press have got Kickstarter fatigue. You send anybody an email with, "It's a Kickstarter it's just closed," you know, and they, I mean, they must get like. 200 Kickstarter emails a day or something.
2: Well, I'll be honest, even the Nintendo side has a lot of Kickstarters now, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of incredible, really. It's like a plague.
3: But but it's good for little creators like me if it can get people passionate and behind a project. Definitely, definitely.
2: And all of the Kickstarters, the others that come currently to Wii U are doing pretty good right now, so it's way better to get, get behind one who is who is way more important to me.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, that's really good of you. Yeah. Cool.
2: Do you want to do the pitch, or do you think it will not be fantastic? (laughs) No, no, I can do
3: it, I can do it. You ready? Yeah, go. Okay, so uh, if you like uh, rhythm games, or music games in general, or have an interest in the future of games, uh, check out the Little Line 2 uh, Kickstarter, which is probably linked under this podcast, and support us if you want. Any little bit that you can give will help to make the game, and uh, yeah, it will be excellent, I promise you that. At least it will be different and intense.
2: That was a very quick picture, though. That You did it in 25 seconds. 25 seconds.
3: Here we go. Was it convincing, though? Probably not. Never mind. You got you get the feel. It's it. a good
2: one. Yeah. We had way worse. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. I'm not I'm not going to shame people. Oh, that's
3: a shame. That was my next question. Who was it?
2: No, I'm not going to.
3: I'm only joking, yeah.
2: Okay, then all the rest me is to thank you for being on this interview.
3: No, thank you for your time. Take care, Dan.
2: Thank you. Thanks, bye.
0: Alright, and that will do it for this week's episode of Connectivity. As always, you can send your listener mail to connectivity at uh, Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done so. And uh, you should follow all of us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldapport.com and look through the Twitter sidebar on the right hand side of the page and you'll find our usernames there. Now stick around for a bonus segment all about Doctor Who. to a bonus segment of connectivity all about Doctor Who. Um, Doctor Who's not back yet, but there's been a lot of sort of news and Doctor Who related things that have been happening. So we thought maybe we'd do a, a recap here before, um, you know, the 50th anniversary uh, a couple months from now. Uh, I have with me today Amanda Albert. Hello. And Nicholas Bray. Hello. The, uh, I guess the Doctor Who crew at this point. Um, Patrick sometimes subs in, but I, it, it's been us three for a pretty good time. Screw you, Patrick. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so um today we're going to talk about a couple things. Uh we're going to talk about the uh reveal of the next doctor uh which happened uh, probably about a month or two ago now. Uh we'll talk a little bit about the 50th anniversary, some rumors, the uh the poster that came out, just a lot of speculation. And then the um I guess Nicholas, was it like is it a recently discovered uh pilot for Doctor Who that that we all watched I mean, no, is that is that the No, it's
4: been it's always been around. Uh it's just Okay, the first, so it's, it's just literally the first the episode, first episode okay. ever of Doctor Who and Unlovely Child. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. I, I don't know. May, I don't know why I got that into my head that that was like maybe something that was just discovered. Okay. Um. Cool. All right. Which yeah. So we all watched the first episode of Doctor Who, so we can um talk about that a little bit too. Um. So let's talk about the new Doctor. Um. So Peter Capaldi, I guess, is how you pronounce his last name. Yes, I think that's right. It looks looks right to me. Uh was announced and I guess the the thing that's striking right away is that he's a, an older gentleman. Um uh, kind of like bonking knee. the recent trend of having these young suave uh doctors that that drive the ladies wild. And silver and, and, fox. And, and most men wild. Yeah, a silver fox though. Yeah, <laughs> not, not not still not a bad looking dude in his own right. Uh but definitely aged a little bit. What what did you guys think about that?
4: I was relieved that he was old. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it was either that or he was going to have to be, like, one of the kids from, like, One Direction or something, right? Like, if oh, they kept going God. younger, he was going to be, no, like, 15. No, not Harry Styles, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that was, like, the direction they were going, It's so.
5: It's fun to then turn to my uh, lady friends and see who's uh going to stick with it.
4: Who are the true fans?
5: Yeah, I can silently judge.
0: <laughs> well, that's true, because, like, I feel like between with David Tennant and Matt Smith, like, it... Not entirely, but obviously their their sort of uh, appeal ha- has drawn a lot of people in.
5: A lot of ladies, um,
0: a lot of ladies in and particular, fellas. yeah, and, and some fellas. So it, it is. It's an interesting departure, and I do wonder what the uh, response will be.
5: For the most part, I think it's been pretty positive so far. I mean, he's been in a lot of other good stuff, and
0: he's a respected actor. So
4: yeah, he's right. a good
5: actor, and he's been a fan since. Uh, Since no. he was a young person
0: yeah well i was gonna ask have you guys seen i think what was it the the thing i hear most people say is um in the loop i think was a, a movie or a show he was in
5: that's a movie based on the show you did the thick of it
0: oh okay oh yeah the thick of it that's right I, i've heard that too um have, have you seen any
5: of that yeah uh i'm watching it now um it's really freaking funny i kind of wish that he could play the doctor the way he plays Malcolm Tucker because it's just the worst things you've ever heard somebody say <laughs> that's
0: what I that's what I've heard everyone say is that like <laughs> if he if he brought that character over like it would just be just nonsense like nonstop, just foul Yeah like it, it,
5: like I was telling Mike uh <laughs> it would be funny because I've been drawing these uh like designs where it's like you know the the Ninth Doctor saying fantastic and then his sonic screwdriver, and then the tense is, you know, Alonzi, and then Geronimo, and then his would be like, fuck the fuck off.
0: <laughs> that'd be his, like, catchphrase. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be pretty good.
5: There's been great, like, mashups on YouTube already, where they take stuff that that character says, oh, yeah, and they intersplice yeah. it where he's just telling off Daleks, and it's, Oh, uh, that would make me so happy.
0: And did you guys hear about the the thing with him? Um, he was in World War Z, the movie. Yes, yes, he was.
4: Um, his character was a uh, Doctor W. H. O. As yeah. I, um, what is it? A uh, an acronym name? Yeah.
0: Yeah, which is a funny little coincidence there, or or maybe not. I don't know. That's a that's a, a pretty wild coincidence if that's uh, if that's the case. But.
5: Yeah, and he's been in Who before too, he's in the Fires of Pompeii.
0: Yeah, just like wasn't Amy in the yes, Fires of Pompeii? Same episode, yep. yeah. yeah, so that's crazy. So we have another like one off character or actor I should say comes back for a prominent role.
4: So we should uh, just from, start from the same episode.
5: We should just start looking into the whole cast of that episode.
4: Yeah, who's his companion going to be from that episode? Yeah, yeah, going
0: to dump Clara at the start of the next season. Yeah, well, yeah. Next time, there's like a rumor of a new character coming aboard. Rather than all these like crazy guesses, we should just go back and and watch that episode and and pretty much any old episode of Doctor Who, and we can probably pick them out uh, or at least narrow down the list. But um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, so when did they Matt Smith? The Christmas episode this year will be his last one. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
4: I keep thinking it's going to be a, it's going to be like a downer Christmas episode if he dies at the
0: end. Yeah, that's true. I, I was surprised they didn't just do it at the fiftieth anniversary episode. Um, you know, you've got the two Doctors brought together, Tennant and Smith. Like, why not use that to kind of bridge to the next? I don't know. Like, well, that's it's just... kind
5: of a, it's a little bit of a tradition to write before, right around that Christmas special for it to change hands, right? Have they? Because Tennant came on at Christmas.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He did. Mm, Yeah. And I, and I guess, um, the very first episode with Eccleston, that was around Christmas, wasn't it? Um, it was like April or something. Oh, really? No. April or March? Oh, yeah. That that was. It was like the crazy episode with the mannequins, right? Isn't that his first episode? Yeah, the Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So it'll be interesting, but they'll make it like bittersweet and I'm sure it'll be lovely. They'll
5: make everybody cry.
0: Yeah. I wonder what he'll do. You know, David Tennant went back and visited all his old companions and friends and everything. I wonder what what Matt Smith's departure will be like. He's gonna. See we'll Warrior. see all his
5: bow ties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I a, That'll be good. I have a question for you guys. When when uh, what was uh, the situation when you guys found out about the Twelfth Doctor?
0: Um, I was asleep. Yeah, I was. Watching my, I wasn't. I wasn't watching it myself, but I was like following along on Twitter. So I was kind of waiting for the announcement. Um, I think I would, and then, in, um,
4: yeah, I think I woke up at like seven o'clock and just check Twitter. <laughs>
0: did you Did you watch it live?
5: Yeah. No, I feel stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, tr- truthfully, I don't have um, I don't have cable. I always just download the episode. Oh, I don't either. <laughs> oh, so would you? You just watch like an internet stream?
5: Yeah. Uh, nice. <laughs> somebody had a stream over in, uh, London of, uh, BBC, so I got to watch it that way. But it, I don't know, I, I'll be quiet, I'll stop, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> well, no, no. I, I was comparing it to the moon landing, I was very excited. <laughs> Did it pay off? Uh, yeah, cause, uh, I had a, uh, Excel spreadsheet, um, <laughs> go, <laughs> going back and forth as a joke with my friends about who the potentials were. So there were a lot of, uh, bets being placed and, uh, Mike had to know as soon as possible whether or not he should be smug. So, you know, we had to watch that live so he could be right about Capaldi because <laughs> that's what he wanted and that's what he got. Wait, he actually got it, okay. it right? Yeah.
4: Wow. I didn't even hear him being in the running up until... The yeah, I never two. even heard his name mentioned, yeah. <laughs> About
5: two days before, that was, like, the news on the internet is that he was likely to play it. And then Mike started trying to connect the dots, and he was like, Well, he played, you know, in World War Z, this Who Doctor that seems like a wow, sign. Wow, he worked it all out before it happened. Oh, we had, like, you know, like a map on the wall with the little push pins and the string and the... Amazing. <laughs> we don't have kids. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is what you do to fill the hours.
5: <laughs> who needs love? Yeah,
0: we can chart who the next doctor might possibly
5: be. Yeah. Well, um, um, I
4: recorded, I recorded it, but I still haven't watched it because it it aired what? live here. I just on watched it
5: again. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Amateurs.
0: But um, yeah, so pretty exciting. I I, I look forward to. It. There's not really much to to go off of yet. You know, I mean, we don't really. We haven't seen him as, as the doctor at there all, so a, I, There was I'm a, there
4: was a tidbit from Moffat a while back, I think, saying that Capaldi's portrayal will be a bit more, like, fierce and, uh, commanding, I guess, demanding. Yes. Than I'm past excited about that.
5: And he's keeping the accent. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they'll explain that, like, well, the TARDIS fucked up or something. Cause he's uh, always had an English accent.
4: Uh, Sylvester McCoy had a Scottish accent.
5: Uh, that's true.
4: Ace. He just... <laughs> yeah, I just he just used to call that Ace all the time. That's what I yeah. remember.
5: <laughs> that's basically it.
0: Let's uh roll on then to the uh to the 50th anniversary, the uh the yes. day of the Doctor, as as we know the episode is called now, uh which will premiere November 23rd. Oh. Um. So they just. Go ahead.
4: According to uh, some fans, the day the doctor's hair doesn't stand up anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I look on yeah, I'm looking at the poster now. Yeah, it's all a little. People a little are complaining flat,
4: huh? that Tennant's hairs uh, combed forward instead of in the coif. <laughs> I have
5: a, a I have a rebuttal to that complaint. He's got Billy Piper with him, or Rose Tyler. Yes. Yep. Which means it would probably be sometime in season two mm-hmm. or series two and his hair wasn't sticky uppy then
0: i was going to say when he first came on his hair wasn't quite as uh, rambunctious as as it came to be <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that would tie in with that so
5: continuity he's got to have there
0: the right go. hair there you go um another continuity that would, that would definitely tie it to that time we we see in the poster here we've got bad wolf spray painted on like a broken brick wall Um, some stuff there, so obviously, well, which if he's with Rose anyway, we know that, but obviously, yeah, it's taking place during that, that second series. Um, what else do we have? It looks like some smashed Daleks in the background. Uh, Does it look like there's a TARDIS
4: sort of exploding as well?
0: Yeah, in the back, it looks like it's just the door of the TARDIS, kind of, like, off on its own. And, uh, yeah, and then you've got John Hurt walking towards us. um, The Hurt Doctor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 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 Who we're still not uh, 100% sure who he is. 8.2? 8.2. Eight point
5: um, two?
0: Eight point two? Could be, yeah. The Doctor in between. Um so Amanda, before we start recording, you said you you might have some crazy theories, so oh, why don't you God. hit up with some of those?
5: These are nothing that I subscribe. It's just basically the thing I've learned from this show is uh don't believe anything till they officially announce it. And they don't really announce anything till the last possible moment. So that just makes nut jobs on the internet jump to conclusions and get upset about stupid assumptions or really upset about tenants not sticky uppy hair. So um from what I understand BBC hasn't like announced if uh any of the classic Doctor Who actors are returning. Oh yeah. But then there's a lot of speculation about some of them actually returning. And I guess Peter Davison Let it slip in an interview recently that uh, he had a script.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it
5: was not his (laughs) son-in-law's and it had his name on it. So there was that. And then he said that he would be involved in some way with the 50th, but then he wouldn't specify. So, and I mean, he came back just for that Red Nose Day sketch a few years ago. So that would make me think that if they would ask him, he would definitely do it.
4: Yeah, at the the same time, if he was in it and it was only him, I don't know. I don't really like his Doctor.
5: Oh, no? No, That's Mike's favorite classic Doctor Who actor. Oh, really? Yeah. But, to me, it's like I don't know if that means he's going to necessarily come back in it or not, Mm. but I would think that if he is, that means any of the other living actors are going to be involved in some capacity. It doesn't seem in any no way to me that they would have just one back i mean maybe they won't get eccleston but that's not because uh bbc won't have him
0: right in my feeling about this and i was talking on twitter with someone a, a few weeks ago but they were so open and forthcoming about david Tennant being involved that it's like to me there's got to be something still i think that they we don't know. have
5: to say that he's going to be in it though
0: yeah, sure. But but the fact that it wasn't a secret that it was like, Okay, we're telling you this just makes me feel like there's going to be more that they're not telling us. Because there always yeah. is. So like I, I expect at this point for other doctors to show up in some capacity because they're they're keeping that tightly under wraps. Yeah. And I th- I think the be- I think I don't know. I feel like they tossed David Tennant out there so we know something, everyone gets excited, and then there's going to be something more to it. You know, like they're not going to just reveal everything this far in advance and and not really have any surprises, especially considering it's the 50th anniversary. So I agree with and, you. And even the season finale, you know, the series finale we had, all the doctors sort of reappear in clips and like homages and stuff, which we I don't think we've ever had. Uh well, I guess there's been a few like illusions, like when um Matt Smith's Dr you know, in his first episode, I think the the alien or whatever is kind of, like, scanning you know, for, like, his database about the Doctor, and it shows each of their faces for, like, a split second, and then he walks through the David Tennant, like, projection, but um, other than that, like, they, there hasn't really been much in the way of, like, clips of uh, of the past Doctors, and then this last episode like, completely blew it out and had them Featured pretty heavily, so
3: yeah, I, I yeah. think
0: I think there's going to be a lot of classic Doctor. Yeah, I think uh, it's in, in this.
5: I think it's just definitely not their style to let all the details out. I think there's going to there's all kinds of shit that they have going on that they're not going to tell us. They're just going to let it come out that day. And the only thing thing that I would uh. If they said all the classic actors that are living are coming back, I, w- I would be excited, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be really surprised if they've been lying out their ass this whole time about Eccleston not doing it, and then he ended up being in it after all.
0: Yeah, I think he will be in it. I think that's that's an easy one. I hope one. so, man. The, the other ones are harder because they've aged so much, and it's like, well, how do you explain that, really? Well, you know? Paul McGann I mean... still looks amazing. Sure, yeah, but any, yeah. yeah, but any, any before him, you know, it's, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be rough. I would
4: settle just for, uh, Paul McGann, cause I think he, he, he deserves, he deserves another TV shot. Like, it's not fair. It's not fair.
5: He's so great. Yeah, I definitely, like, whenever I see that, uh, Doctor Who movie from the 90s that he did. Yeah. It, it's definitely dated. But you see where the, there was a lot of potential for him to be a really good doctor, and I do like him a lot in the audio plays, and I always feel bummed that, you know, he's a dork for that show, too, and all he got was the one episode on television.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He missed out on, like, its its resurgence by about a decade, I guess. Yeah. You know?
5: And he would have been a great doctor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I'd love to see him involved, too. That that would be fine, like you're saying. The the, the past four doctors would be fine for me. Um I I would be good with that. And then if any of the the really old ones want to make some appearance, that's okay. But I I want to see all four of them in some capacity. That would be great.
4: I always thought that uh, a more elegant way to include the past doctors, like the actors themselves, more so than the actual characters, would be just to cast them as different people. Like, they're they're still in it. They've still got their appearance in, but it's sort of, you know, just a nod and a wink to them being in it.
5: Or if you want to just do new dialogue.
4: Yeah, yeah.
5: They could you, work something out.
4: They all do the audios now, so they could just record something like that, voiceover mm-hmm. sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, and they could still use old clips of you know the the ones that have passed away and everything. Um, mm. so
5: or they could take them out of the freezer.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just bomb them and throw them back up in front of the the camera. <laughs> um. So let's move on to the very first episode of Doctor Who. Like I said, I didn't realize that that this was the official first episode. I don't know why I was thinking this was like a something that was uncovered. But um, yeah. So an uh, an 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 unearthly child, I think, is what it's called. Yeah. Um, I just watched it today for the first time.
5: What did you think? I
0: actually enjoyed it. I I got like a lot of like a big um Twilight Zone vibe.
5: Yes, I always say that.
0: Um, you know, I don't know if that if that carries through. Through a lot of his early stuff or not, but just that first half of it where you've got, you know, something's not quite right, and you've got these teachers, and just just because it's that time period, you know, you've got the 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 woman who's like very concerned and, and really believes something's wrong, and then you've kind of got the like steadfast man who's like, I'm sure it's something simple, everything will be fine, but okay, like I'll humor you and we'll go investigate. You know, we'll follow this girl home mm-hmm. and see where she's mm-hmm. going. Um, it was kind of like I don't know, I, I love. Old, old stuff from like the, I don't know, the 60s. It's, uh, it was just kind of funny to me that kind of overacting and it, I don't know, it's kind of hand fisted in a way, but I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I really did, uh, enjoy it.
5: I kind of find that acting sometimes more believable in a weird way. Like, it seems like it's heightened, but really, if that shit was going on, you would be freaking out. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, when you see the characters just gloss over something, that always takes me out of it.
0: Yeah.
5: So I, I do like that watching it where it's all new and they're just like, what the fuck?
4: Yeah. Well, it, it takes, um, it takes Ian until, like, halfway through the next episode until he's like, oh,
0: okay, it's really happening. like, oh, like at, until he accepts that they've, they've gone through time. Yeah, basically. because
4: even when, I don't know if you watch the next episode, but, um, at the start of the next episode, even though he's seeing the pictures from outside and everything and, like, they seemingly have moved, but even when the doctor opens the door, he's like, "It's it's just impossible." Like he's still yeah. trying to grasp that it's real. Like,
5: and he thinks that it's just a trick at a certain point, right? Like with the view yes. screen.
4: Yeah, yeah. But um, just with the first episode, I think the way it's uh, shot is really quite well done as well. Like it seems to be the camera's a bit more fluid and um the movements are a bit more, slightly more cinematic in this first episode than maybe the, the proceed, like, the next few.
0: Yeah, I agree. It did, it did have a, a cinematic feel. Um, It felt really well produced, Um, you know, considering I think there was, what, like, three sets in the whole, <laughs> the whole episode. I mean, there's, like, they're in the classroom, I think there's a hallway in the school, Uh, they're in their car, they're in the junkyard, and then in the TARDIS, you know. So, yeah, there's, like, five places they are. Um, but you know, they, they, they made, they made the most of it. Um, I think you're right. The camera was very fluid. It was moving around in the sets and everything. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't standing still. It didn't feel static.
4: And this was, uh, cause they did, they recorded this episode twice. Um, oh, okay. uh, the first time they shot it on the DVD, there's the two versions of this episode. There's the pilot episode, which they call it now, which was shot. And there was a bunch of mistakes, and they just weren't happy with it, like with the production. So it was t- they were told to do it again. Um, so then some of the line lines and things changed. Uh, it was alluded to at first. The doctor was from the 49th century, and he's he wasn't necessarily going to be an alien, um, which that line was later changed to. Oh uh, yeah, we're like travelers from another world. Blah blah blah. Um, Susan in the pilot was also dressed differently and acted more, uh, a bit older and slightly more alien and stuff as well. They sort of toned her down to be more of a schoolgirl in the Transcendent
0: episode. What is, what is her actual, like, I mean, she's not human, right? I mean, she's...
4: Well, she's the Doctor's granddaughter.
0: Okay. (laughs) <laughs>
4: There's no real so she... other explanation ever. So they've, yeah. just kept it. Okay. they've just kept it saying she's his granddaughter. The okay. only reason that she was at the time was because it, they were, thought it would be a bit uh, strange for a young girl to be traveling around with an old man.
0: Yeah, you know? so they made it like a, a familial thing rather yeah. than yeah. yeah rather than now where it's just like any any random woman will travel along with the doctor. Um, okay, because that's interesting because I know, you know, they and the, the new newer stuff, you know, it's a big a big deal that he doesn't really have a family. Um, so when they said it was his granddaughter, I thought like, oh, like maybe that's a cover up, or maybe that's not entirely true. So so she's a time lord then. I mean, she
5: well, time lords a rank, right? We're not a race. Oh, okay. Yeah. Isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's... that
4: makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, she uh, she's part of his race at least, but she's okay. from
0: Gallifrey. She's from Gallifrey. Okay. Yeah. So she's Gallifreyan, I guess, but not a Time Lord would be the way to to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. They
4: never
5: really, (laughs) but they never really, they're ambiguous about a lot of stuff with her, I mean. Yeah,
4: it's still, it's still pretty vague. Yeah. Because she was only in it for a year. She goes at the end of the first year. Oh, okay. But that year is like 45 episodes long. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Because they, Doctor Who ran pretty much all year back in
0: the 60s. And it was just, every episode was 20 minutes? Yeah, 25, 20 to 25 minutes, yeah. Okay. But I enjoyed it. I mean, I really did. It, it kind of makes me want to go through some of this old, you know, I have kind of needed that that impetus to make me go through it. And so, do it. I mean, watch this first one, maybe I'll, I'll start to do it. How, how much of the first Doctor's, like, run is available? Because um, I know they, a lot of that stuff has been, like, lost, right? I've got m- some of most it? of
4: them. Um, do you? The ones that are available. There's about, tw- there's about 20 stories that are um, available. Oh okay, okay. So quite a bit. Mhm. Um, the the first Doctor's stuff like it's can it can be pretty good as as long as you can, you you know, like put yourself in the time period and sort of just mm-hmm. take it as it is. Because um, about a decade ago, the ABC here aired every episode that is surviving from the beginning. So I first started watching it from Hartnell, and just oh, went cool. through every day. They played like um, one episode a day, um, like Monday to Friday, until the till they ran out.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so that was pretty good. But the next three episodes of like this unearthly child story, some people don't really like. I don't, It could be a bit dull because it's like cavemen, like learning how to get fire and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. the the story. Directly after that is the very first Dalek story, which, um, would be interesting mm. to check out, I think.
0: Yeah, I'll have to do that. I, I like too that, um, and I've heard this, but that the doctor just really isn't interested at all in sort of interacting with, with, you know, these human characters.
4: No, the, the doctors, um, in, it took a while for Hartnell to become the doctor, like, character-wise, um, he was sort of didn't like the companions and tried to, you know, he just wanted to go off by himself and, like, not really worry about taking them home. Like, at the start of the Dalek story, he, um, they're like, oh, we've got to go, let's just go. And, cause they, they land in, like, a radioactive forest. And the doctor's, oh, no, let's go down and explore this city. Uh, you can do what you want. I'm gonna go and do it. <laughs> and in the, 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 like, the second or third episode of An Unworthy Child, he, um, he, he, like, uh, implies that he's going to bash the caveman's head in with a rock just to okay. get rid of him. Like,
5: Yeah, he's like a... Because he's, like, a... He's he's injured, right? He's a hindrance yeah, to them he, getting yeah, away?
4: Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, Chesterton, we must leave him here. Uh, and, like, they all want to help this caveman. Uh, the doctor's like, nah, let's just bash him on the head and get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. But, you know, in a way, I guess that, that ties into what they you know what they've done especially with Matt Smith you know traveling so long without a companion you know they they've kind of touched on that that he loses some of his um humanity which is funny to say because he's not human but he loses some of his uh his compassion in a way when he's been alone for so long
3: yeah the
5: people um, soften him
0: right so you know in a way that that still seems very canonical if this is his first or at least one of his first interactions with humans um so that's interesting yeah i don't know i'm excited I'm, I'll probably do it. Have you seen a lot of the Hartnell stuff, Amanda?
5: There's a lot of Hartnell, but I've probably seen about 15, 15 different episodes. Not stories altogether, but just individual episodes. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you one that I think is pretty good is uh, the Aztecs. You can watch that and see what you think. That's yeah. when he's lightened up a bit and warmed up to the companions. It's It's got a lot of action, and the story doesn't move super slow, and it's got some pretty good funny moments, too.
4: The The Aztecs is considered, like, a classic story of the old stuff.
0: Okay, I'll have to look that up. Is any of the old stuff, like, yeah, Hartnell stuff, on Netflix, or am I going to have to scour the internet for this?
4: The
5: Aztecs is on Netflix, yeah.
0: Is it? Okay, cool.
5: Do you like that one, Nick?
4: Um, I haven't watched it for about five or six years, so... I remember liking it at the time, but I can't really remember all the details of what happens in the story.
5: Do you have a particular favourite that you would suggest?
4: Let's see, I've been watching Heart recently, like, because I bought some new ones recently. Um... I don't mind, like, the Dalek Invasion of Earth, I didn't mind that one. Um... And the one I watched, one of the you ones I watched recently. You find rec- it.
5: You're selling it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay, the one I watched recently was called "The Rescue," and it was the uh, introductory story of the companion that replaced Susan, and it's quite good. It's only two episodes long. Really, that's
5: short. Yeah,
4: it was a two episodes, and then. It's it was like bundled together because the next episode is or story is the called the Romans and it's like leads directly from that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's only two episodes and it's basically, uh, this the the Tardis lands on this planet where like a human ship has crash landed and um, the. Uh, I don't really want to give too much away, but spoilers: the TARDIS so, lands on a planet. <laughs> seemingly, the uh, the the girl companion and her um, tra- like um, a man that was part of the space crew are being uh, have been captured by this uh, alien, and he's um not letting them leave or contact their own people and stuff. So then the Doctor and um, his companions show up and try and free them, and there's a bit of a twist in there, so.
5: That's called the rescue.
4: The rescue, yeah. I, I think the set design, the set design's pretty good in that one.
5: That's something I, I have to say, like, sm- smart choice without them really knowing it with the design of that TARDIS interior. When you first walk in and it's all, like, white and, and smooth, like, they didn't know that that was going to hold up for as long as it has like still when you go back and watch it you're like yeah that looks like a spaceship
0: yeah yeah even when when i saw the inside of it for the first time in that first episode the only thing that was weird to me is that when on the inside the doors look different than they do on the outside <laughs> yeah like that. like the, um, even when the, the out the, do- the part of the door that would face out <laughs> has like all the same like bumps and spheres on it which didn't really <laughs> make sense to me unless i guess there's another set of doors immediately inside the like the actual police box doors but but everything else i mean it it's i mean it's classic you know it looks just like the TARDIS still does and that it's funny that 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 style has really worked and uh and not really needed to change i mean apart from maybe a few a- aesthetic things here and there but kinda reminds, for the most part
5: it kind of reminds me of apple
0: yeah, like just hit, just got one design and just kind of stick with it, refine it a little bit every year.
5: Well, no, just that with Apple products, everything tends to be white and smooth and...
0: Very clean. Yeah. Yeah. Clinical. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I think that will do it for uh, this little bonus segment of, uh, of Doctor Who. Um, a lot of interesting things going on. I'm excited for the... uh Day of the Doctor in, uh what, I guess two months now.
5: What are you most excited about, both of you, for the 50th?
0: Oh, man, just seeing Matt Smith and David Tennant just talk to each other and interact. Like, just, you know, there's going to be a lot of great quips where they're just, because the Doctor already will run off on a tangent by himself talking, and I've oh, got God. two of them interacting together and Especially talking. Especially those two. Yeah, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited just to see, the whole episode could just be them together and the TARDIS just talking to each other, and I would be so happy.
5: What do you think, Nick? What are you most excited for?
0: I'm, well, I'm excited for the
4: 50th, but I'm also excited to see the, uh, docudrama, um, An Adventure in Space and Time. The, yeah, that looks good. The one that sort of chronicles the, uh, creation of Doctor Who and William Hartnell and all that. Have you seen some of the stills, um, with, uh, what's his name? The actor that's playing William Hartnell in costume? The guy that killed
5: all those people at their red wedding?
4: Yes, that guy. <laughs>
5: He's the doctor (laughs) Yeah, he's a great actor
4: He looks really good in the costume too
5: Yeah, he looks just like him
4: They could just film new episodes In black and white And you'd be like, oh yeah, it's William Hartnell
5: (laughs) (laughs) They should just work him into the 50th But uh,
0: what about you, Amanda? What are you excited for?
5: Billy Piper? No (laughs) Um I, I hope that, uh, you know, that, uh, the cl- other actors will be involved, that they've just been lying to us this whole time, and that we'll get Eccleston, and McGann, and Davison, and Baker. That would be nice. Yeah, that, that is what I'm most excited for. The, the chance that they might be in it. Yeah, and then I'm most excited for, uh, you know, all the the stupid complaints that are going to follow afterwards, <laughs> that I'm going to just have fun scrolling through.
0: Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like when they announced Capaldi and a bunch of dumb girls were like, he's not hot!
0: Yeah. He's like a million years old. It is
4: cool, though, that he is the same age as William Hartnell was when he took the role.
5: Oh, is he really?
4: He's exactly the same age, like 55, yeah.
5: Wow, he aged a lot better! <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>
4: Hartnell was wearing a wig, though. That made him look older. He s- still oh, looked, okay. he still looked still old. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Just the posture and everything. <laughs> like, quality, I'm not saying, like, uh you, uh, you know, everybody's got their own thing. I wouldn't say I'd totally go for it, but I wouldn't be <laughs> insulted.
0: <laughs> You're not writing it off. Like. No. <laughs> Perfect. Alright, that will do it. Now we'll end on Amanda running to <laughs> be interested in a fifty five year old man. That seems like a good place to uh to stop. <laughs> so Amanda Nicholas, as always, thank you for being here. Um, if you out there are a Doctor Who fan, and maybe you have some favorite early you didn't series, you did turn this off that, five
5: minutes in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: If you, but if you have uh, some old stuff that you think I should look at and watch, I think I haven't seen a lot
4: of these. I think stuff. this
5: should be a thing. I think we should ma- give you homework, and yeah. you can watch classic episodes, that's, and then I'll we can. That. Yeah, interview. that's the
4: plan. No, that was sort of the and plan. You, it,
0: yeah, that's what we we're gonna do to kind of fill the summer gap, and then. Things just got busy, I guess. Okay, but, so what's yeah. your
5: homework then? What has he gotta watch? Should he watch The Rescue?
0: <laughs> well, Aztec sounds easy because that's on Netflix. Like, any anything on Netflix is, I can easily pop on and, and check out. Um, so, but any of the others, I mean, yeah, you, you know, I'm I'm willing to do torrents or, you know, like, this first episode was on Daily Motion. You know, if you can They're find all stuff somewhere, on Daily Motion. Are they? Okay. So, um, yeah, I'll have to do that. Also, for, I don't know if, it, if Hulu is Hulu anywhere else but in America? Do you guys have Hulu in Australia, Nicholas? Um,
4: probably not. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Well, I haven't tried. Um. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that we can't really access without sort of yeah. in the system, but I don't really bother.
5: Hulu just announced they got Doctor Who. Well, it's I was going to say,
0: yeah, they have none of the um none of the classic stuff, but if you don't have Netflix for some reason, but have Hulu Plus and want to watch Doctor Who, all the new stuff um, from Christopher Eccleston on is on uh, Hulu Plus now. So, pretty cool. It's all there, and you can just watch it straight through with commercials every few minutes. <laughs> and not <laughs> and,
5: return to civilization.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, there you go. Alright, thanks guys. Uh, we'll talk to everyone later. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
2: Bye.